Welcome to the Know Your Rights podcast with Orlando attorneys Albert Bazzotti and Joel Osborne from the Bazzotti and Osborne Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Know Your Rights podcast. I am here with Orlando attorneys from Bazzotti Osborne, Albert Bazzotti and Joel Osborne. If you gentlemen can say hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. Hey guys, how you doing? So today we're going to be talking about suspicion versus probable cause. So I'm wondering if you guys can talk to me about these two concepts. What are the real differences between the two? I think these two terms are really, really important terms that the public uh, really should focus on. Reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. And these uh, terms have a significant impact on rights as citizens. And a lot of times I like to think most officers that are out there, they don't really know the difference between reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. These, uh, you know, probable cause, reasonable suspicion. The reason they're so important in the criminal law context is they're just they're rooted in the Fourth Amendment. You know, uh, unreasonable search and seizure for a search to be reasonable. What does it have to you know, what does it have to have, Albert? Well, it's funny, like the Fourth Amendment mentioning that like it's it's so important. And like just just like listening to like some of the language in that Fourth Amendment, it's like like it's 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 against unreasonable search and seizure. So like one thing that we need to look at when we talk about reasonable suspicion is articulable facts combined with certain inferences, rational inferences, and officers can take these facts um, in, in light of their training and experience and lead an officer to believe that certain criminal activity is occurring or might be occurring. And that gives an officer. Okay. Yes, that's a great, you know, that's a great, you know, that sounds like our law school professor, but let's tell them, you know, let's kind of break it down for them, you know, just, you know, like for a lay person, they're different levels, aren't they? You know, probable cause is a higher standard um, than reasonable suspicion. So basically allows a cop to ask you uh, questions, uh, stop you uh, for less than probable cause. So kind of, you know, you're the former uh, prosecutor, Albert, kind of break down the difference between those. The difference between the standard of reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. So kind of explain it. What is probable cause? What is it? So so let's start with reasonable suspicion. Speaking with reasonable suspicion, an officer can they have the right to briefly detain a suspect for investigatory purposes. But uh, an officer had like there's there's key words that are really important to know with reasonable suspicion, like like a hunch. Like officers can't just have like a hunch or a guess that you might be doing something wrong. Well, let's just take a, a person driving a vehicle, for example. Like if an officer observes you like a traffic infraction, observes you speeding, observes you swerving within a, a, a lane, they've observed an infraction. They have a reason, a, an object, objective basis to pull you over. And, and what's important about reasonable suspicion, it, it's not based on a subjective basis. It, that means that it's on a, a, what a reasonable person in that situation would think. So it's an objective basis. So what would a, an officer in that same position, would they have still pulled this person over for speeding or something of that nature? Um, what do you think about that, Joel, just, just starting with reasonable suspicion? Well, you know, to, you, again, you know, in, in not, not being professors, um, what we want people to know is, you know, for years, you know, for a stop, for a level of encounter, a stop by an officer to be constitutionally valid, they had to have what, Albert? Probable cause, right? Correct. Okay. Then this case comes along. It's Terry versus Ohio. 
Um, and this is where reasonable suspicion stems from. Mm-hmm. And in the Supreme Court case, basically what it's saying is cops don't have to have this probable cause. They can have something less than it. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, the way it plays out is any cop can articulate in an affidavit that they have reasonable suspicion that a crime has occurred. Um, you know, if you're in a car, you're driving from a, um, you know, a, a high crime uh, neighborhood, you know, you fit the profile for, you know, it is a lesser of a standard than probable cause. If probable cause has to be, you know, grounded in facts, you know, in police experience, um, uh, you know, I'm glad reasonableness. You, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a huge difference. Yeah. Then Terry stops is we're, we're saying we don't even need that. We need less. So whenever it's it's a big deal in criminal law, in, in, in constitutional law is just being Americans. Because whenever, you know, the, the Supreme Court is saying that a police officer can stop you for less than probable cause, you know, that's, I think, you know, kind of uh, an abridgment, uh, you know, uh, a step on our Fourth Amendment rights. So this is very, very, very uh, important to study. In New York, this got huge, huge play with these stop and frisks. That's another name for them, the stop and yeah, frisk. Yeah, that's, that's a huge in New term. York, that, that's what lay people yeah. would know. I guess this is that yeah. back to the Terry. That no? is the Terry stop. Okay. What a Terry stop is, is a stop and frisk. And in New York, you know, um, you know, when it first came out, the Supreme Court justices said, you know, if there is actual facts that this is, you know, showing that this is attacking the Fourth Amendment, that it's, you know, against minorities, it's against the poor. Well, this was in 1985. You know, we now have the facts. We now have the statistics and all this reasonable suspicion is, is a weapon against the poor. It's a weapon against uh, minorities and allows cops to harass someone for less than probable cause with a standard that they can always fake on an affidavit. Would you would you say I'm wrong? No, not at all. And and it's just really, really interesting. Like when you're speaking of uh, stop and frisk, like that's a really, really interesting concepts that I'm sure most of our listeners have heard something about that nature. And like what an officer can do in a stop and frisk situation is that if they believe that some sort of criminal activity has been around, and, and especially if they believe that the person that they're investigating is armed and dangerous, they're going to ask you to come out of the car immediately and they're going to pat you down for weapons. They're going to pat you down for guns, knives, anything concealed. And oh, well, yes, that's a great point. I do not mean to cut you off, Robert, but I think we need to we need to break it down for, for sure. Them. These stop and frisk happen too. They need to have, they happen two times. They happen in a car, in a car and on the street. So first in a car, like Albert says, whenever you get pulled over in a car, every time, basically, unless you're an 80 year old grandma, a cop can have reasonable suspicion that you have a weapon on you, especially in Florida, where a large percentage of the people carry and have concealed weapons. For sure. So with this reasonable suspicion, they can pull you out of the car anytime and they can search you your person for places where a weapon usually would be so let me ask you Albert, would it be a reasonable to search your waistband is would they be able to have reasonable suspicion that a gun would be on your waist? absolutely angel but that's why if if you remember from one of our previous episodes that's why you mentioned when you get pulled over just put your hands up on the steering wheel because if you're fidgeting around at all an officer's just going to say oh i think you're fidgeting i think you're armed and dangerous i'm asking you to step out of the car and right there you're in a situation 
Without, You're in a situation yeah, where yeah, if you have anything on you, that's it. He's going to be able to justify that situation in court that this guy was moving around. He made me nervous. And those are also the types of situations where you see an officer sometimes get nervous and trigger, trigger happy. The gun's already out. And that's why some of these situations escalate because of the fidgeting in the car. But anyway, so, anyway, okay, so go, when, go ahead. When the cop pulls you over, you know, with reasonable suspicion. So, you know, if if there's a lit blunt in the car, you know, that would probably be probable cause a smell Correct. alone. But let's say there's no smell, you know, there's no smell. You're not impaired. You know, probable cause when they come up is your eyes are bloodshot red or you're drunk or you have a needle in your arm. You're shooting at, you know, stuff For like sure. that. That would be probable cause. But with this standard, there needs to be none of that. They can get you out of the car regardless. And as they search for weapons, let's say they find drugs, Albert. Is that going to be admissible? Okay, so in this situation, they find drugs. But is it in plain view? They're pulling you out of the car. They're doing a a reasonable they're doing a search. Reasonable suspicion to believe you have a gun or a weapon. So they're searching the normal places. Your pockets. Oh, they hit your pocket. They feel something. Oh, that feels like is that a knife? They go into it. It's it's uh, uh, three point five grams of marijuana, Albert. Is that uh, will that will they're going to uh, charge you? They're going to charge you with the crime. They're going to charge you without question. So, so with right there, as soon as the cop pulls you over, they have gone into your pocket for a standard less than probable cause. Thank you, Terry versus Ohio. There is the stop and frisk with the automobile. I'm sorry. Are there are there markers that they're looking for, or is this purely based on their just guesswork? This is based on reasonable suspicion. Okay. Okay. So a cop can always on the back end make any right. suspicion Anything reasonable. Anything could be suspicious. Even Number that 80-year-old grandmother could be suspicious. Well, they're trained. They know, right. they know how to write an affidavit. Right. This doesn't even have to have probable cause. This is less. They can nine times out of ten, you know, they're intelligent enough to to articulate in an affidavit that reasonable suspicion was formed. That could just be even, you know, coming from a high crime. Yeah, Angelo does mention a good term, like just the guesswork, because us, our job as defense attorneys, that's what we want to prove with certain motions, motions to suppress, that these officers have a hunch that they're guessing, that they're profiling certain people, pulling them over and just taking a guess that these people have done something illegal. These people have drugs. And that's the standard that's but that's the standard that the courts didn't want. They don't want these officers to keep guessing because sometimes they guess and they're right, but they don't do it the proper way. They don't go through the proper procedure. Well, that's the thing, Albert, is you mentioned earlier, you know, Wren is a Supreme Court place that is just hugely important in this that's, discussion because we do not care about the officers. That's a great text. point. As long as the stop, as long as the stop is valid and they can prove it in court that they had reasonable suspicion, whatever that lesser standard really is, you know, it's kind of <laughs> if they can prove it, it doesn't matter what the cops thinking. So regardless, if they pull you over and they're like, hey, that's the, you know, uh, the most handsome guy in the world or, you know, that's the biggest jerk in the world. If they have that mentality, it doesn't matter what the cop is thinking. We don't get into their heads. It would be too hard for a Supreme Court judge to be in a cop's head. So all we look about, all we look towards is what is uh, is the stop valid based on the Supreme Court, you know, the laws, the constitutional laws that the Supreme Court is, has uh, 
Hey, Joel, I'm glad you mentioned Ren because like most of our listeners don't know sometimes when we're talking about like just case law and certain cases and why we cite Supreme Court cases and why we use certain lingo. Um, Before we get into the just that case and explain that to our listeners, can you just explain to our listeners like why do we like cite case law? Why are we talking about like some of these legalese terms like like how does that help them um, in their case or in the future? Well, you know, this is all of this criminal law is rooted in supreme. It's rooted in constitutional law. So all of the decisions, you know, that are actually applicable, you know, in federal court, civil county, you know, stem from these seminal cases, these Supreme Court cases. So it is it is a law. It is an area of law where your constitutional rights are just so implicated. And that's why we say, you know, if you see the lights. (laughs) you know, know your rights. And that's what and that's what we're here for. Before we get off the topic, though, I do want to say, though, these Terry stops, these Uh stop and frisk, they don't just happen in an automobile. They can also be a cop. You know, you're walking along the road 2 a.m. with your friend. A cop comes up and starts asking you questions. Hey, there was a break in, you know, down the road. Start asking. You know, let's go through that one, Albert. That could be another example of a stop and frisk. Kind you know, of I, wanted, I was going to get into some examples with you. I want to give our example, like so the listeners, like just a few scenarios out there. And we're just going to play like, like you'll, you play the cop. So you're going to be Officer Osborne. OK, now let's just say. Yeah. So, so I, okay. I, I pull up. I pull up. Hey, young men, there was a break in, you know, uh, break in um, at uh, the corner of Maple and Elm. Um, you know, they, you know, the persons were wearing black, let me ask you guys some questions and tell, you know, do you have to answer the questions, Albert? You know, do you have to stop? You know, what, what let are me, your rights? Before, let me just take one step back before we get to this example, Joel, because it's one thing I want our, our listeners to understand with this whole reasonable suspicion. When, it, when we mean like an objective basis that an officer is looking at, they have to look at the whole picture, the totality of the circumstances. It's a legal term that we like to use that means everything they have to consider when if they have reasonable suspicion um, of a certain subject or some criminal activity happening. So in your example, Joel, you said that there's some sort of robbery or something taking place and you want to ask us that has has taken place. place. Yeah. And you see two people. Okay. You see. And and, okay. Now let's say you get a call about this robbery that's taking place. Now we're, when we're thinking of the different things that they might describe on the call, uh, what might the the caller describe the, the subjects, the suspect, uh, maybe the vehicle that the person's in uh, the time or the place that this happened. You said Elman, something else. So you're on the lookout for this type of, this, these types of activities or circumstances, these characteristics. So when you look for a subject, like say in your example, you're you're talking to these people, you're thinking, does this person maybe match the subject or the, the description? Is this person in the right area? Does this person have the same vehicle? Now, if that's the case in your situation, would you would you agree or disagree that you might have reasonable suspicion to detain that person and ask a few more questions? Well, that, that's yes. I, yeah. With, with I, a cop would in that situation have reasonable suspicion. You know, if you're in the area, similar car from where the break in was wearing similar clothes that match okay. the description. Okay. Without question, so yes. like, OK, like, like, let's just say. Uh, wait, wait, I was asking you, Albert. Don't. Yeah. You prosecutors always trying to turn it around. I'm asking you. <laughs> you know, let's let's stick on this. I'm asking you, Albert. I I just got a call. You know, I got a call. There was a break in at Elm and Maple. You know, two two people fit the description. 
you know, I come up to them, you know, hit the horns. I say, hey, you know, you guys, I want to ask you a few questions. Do you have to answer the questions, Albert? What is your con- what okay, are your so constitutional are rights at, in that situation? Are we to the point that you're actually engaging with them and are you telling them that they're not free to leave? Because if they're not free to leave, you've detained them and we have a Terry stop at this moment. You have your reasonable suspicion. No, no, no. All I've said is I want to well, ask then it's you guys still a, a consensual questions. encounter. They can still walk away from you. Perfect. That's what I kind of want to get out to you. Officers always. Yes. Officers always create, um, you know, um, an atmosphere of arrest that you are not free to leave. So if they have not said, you you know, you come here, you know, you're not free to leave, then you do not uh-huh. have to answer those questions. They are doing what's called. Yeah, and I'm going to turn this round to you. I see it. You got yeah. me on that one. And I realized how. Yeah, I knew. Hey, man, I've been defense. <laughs> well, hey, this I is know how you prosecutors. This is how you <laughs> got me on that one. All you mentioned in that situation was that the suspect looks like this. And I don't think that alone would have brought rose into reasonable suspicion. If you. No, no suspect looks like it. Same area. And, you know, leaving from a similar area, matching a similar okay, description. But, okay. Say he was in a. How many of those things do you, how many boxes do you have to check off? I mean. Yeah, it's not a box. That's the, that's the thing. It's not a box. It's up to the judge. It's up to Albert to determine reasonable. It's up to the judge. You see, and that's the thing is, you know, in a perfect world, a cop is doing this. They're only using these Terry stops, you know, if they have reasonable suspicion based on the totality of this. But that's not how they've been used. Um, They've been used as basically a shortcut for an officer to to create the impression of detainment, you know, especially in New York. And and a lot of times they use it to violate people's, uh, you know, uh, Fourth Amendment rights. And a lot of times it never goes to court, you know. Um, and a lot of times people don't have the opportunity or the resources to hire, you know, private counsel and fight this stuff. But, uh, you know, this stuff is very important. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it today. Albert, you had mentioned totality of circumstances. Okay. Uh, what, what exactly do you mean by that? I'm trying to figure out. So it, 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 in regards to a, a, a stop. What exactly are the totality of circumstances? In layman's term, simple term, big picture. We're looking at everything, everything that happened in this situation. So let's just take, for example, okay, you're driving, uh, you're speeding, um, you're swerving in your lane, you're going out of your lane, um, you hit a curb, um, officer is concerned that you might be an impaired driver. Right there, if we're looking at the totality of the circumstances, he's looking at, okay, what's your driving pattern like? Have you committed any traffic or criminal infractions driving on the car? He's maybe looking at what time of day it is or what time of night. If this, if you're driving at two o'clock in the morning uh, like this, he might think you may be coming home from a bar. You might be, um, you might be more likely to be more inclined to be impaired at two o'clock in the morning than you are at two o'clock in okay. the afternoon. So he's um, the way, what kind of vehicle you're driving, what kind of area you're driving. Um, is your lights all lit up? Um, are you driving at the speed limit? Are you driving way over it? Are you driving 10 or 15 miles below? So you think you want to think about every little thing. And, and an officer doesn't need every single one to check off to be able to pull you over. He might okay. only need one or two. And it, and it really, it all depends on each situation is unique. So maybe if it's a DUI stop, if you're swerving in your lane and he and, and he sees you swerving in your lane three or four times within a mile, that's going to probably be enough to conduct the stop um, reasonable suspicion to at least question you and detain you. And, and that's the one thing, Joel, right, that we want to, people to understand here. When there's reasonable suspicion, that doesn't mean that they can arrest you because we're not at, we're, 
No, no, that just means that just means they can do the initial stop. Okay. And the reason that's so important, the reason they can do that, that that initial stop is so important is because when they do that initial stop, they can reasonably search you for weapons. And a lot of these times is when narcotics are found, um, uh, you know, uh, guns without permits, um, you know. So, you know, they are able to stop you for a lesser standard than probable cause. But, yes, they still need probable cause. Hey, to and one, make the one thing arrest. that's important, and I so, want everyone to understand this, it's OK to be nervous. Officers will try and, and use that nervousness against you. But the case law has been clear. There's been law that's come out that nervousness alone does not give rise to reasonable suspicion. You can be nervous in front of an officer. Now, a lot of people are. A lot of people aren't in these types of situations every day. And especially with what's gone on in the media and some situations where officers have abused their power, who wouldn't be scared on certain situations, especially if you're getting pulled over at two o'clock in the morning? So we don't want people to think, oh, I'm really nervous that they're going to be more prone to pull me over. If they're going to if they believe that they have a reason to detain you, Joel, they're going to detain you regardless. Right. And they're going to state those reasons. And that's what we want. You know, we want our clients and we want our listeners not to be nervous. We want you to be, you know, we want you to be confident in your constitutional rights. Know, you know, what the cops Educated. can do, what they can't do yeah. and what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, we, we always talk about this, but this is the number one thing people ask me is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, with one of these regional suspicions, the st- cop starts asking you these questions. Are you do you have to I mean, answer him out? He's always, like he's going to ask you questions. You're going to piss him off by not answering him. So you you might just you might. But you, no, you, you don't. You don't, you, you don't have to answer any we questions. Have, you don't have to answer anything. But it's it could for Isn't sure. That our but then, rights? you know, I, I think the majority of times, you know, especially in a in a stop where, you know, you know, if you're doing something wrong, if you have a, you know, narcotics, if you are. The more you say, <laughs> you know, it's like a fish. Even a fish would get would would not get caught it, if it kept one, its mouth shut. One again, one thing I wanted to say, Joel, is just ahead, that the reason why, like, I want our listeners to be educated with these terms, so cops can't take advantage of them. Listen, sir, I understand what the standard is: reasonable suspicion, and I would like you to articulate what is your basis for the stop right now. And oh, and then if they try and take advantage of, you No, well, I believe I'm going to conduct a search of your vehicle now. All right. Well, then what is your probable cause? Tell me what real facts you have. And, and that's what I want. I want to listen. These one or two key buzzwords are so key for you to understand and know, because it, you, you won't be allow yourself to be taken advantage by the system or an officer that will try may try and build an investigation against you. And then. Like, we don't want you to hire us. We don't want you to be in this situation. Yeah. And so they're trying to build what well, you just said. It. They're trying to build an investigation against you. I'm like, don't be don't be naive. So, again, when you get pulled over and they start asking you these questions, you do not have to answer them. Do you, Albert? <laughs> the answer I'm going to give you is no, Joel. You don't. Unless I mean, unless it gets to us. No, do you have to do in a traffic stop provide is the what? documents provide? they're asking for. If they give you an order, then you need to like you need to obey that order. If the officer asks you, yes, but they cannot give you an correct, order to correct. open your mouth. Obviously not. Uh, anytime I've been pulled over, I feel as though I overshare <laughs> <laughs> and I just start talking because I'm nervous. Yes, every yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. That you know, the blabbermouth <laughs> is the you know that's part of. The- <laughs> 
And we don't want you to be nervous. We want you to be confident in your constitutional rights, you know, um, and and know what you do and what you do not have to do. Cops love to create an impression of arrest like you are arrested when you're not arrested. One of the questions you can always ask an officer is, am I under arrest? If you are not under arrest, can you leave? If it's a consensual encounter, you can leave. You're free to leave. If if it's a but yes, you can leave. You know, these are questions people never even ask, you know. So, you know, when you're sitting there and a cop's, you know, asking you these questions, we want our listeners to turn around, you know, and be like, hey, I don't feel like you have any enough reasonable suspicious. Like Albert said, what's your basis? And then ask, am I under arrest? If I'm not under arrest, leave. If they start asking you questions, we want our listeners to know they don't have to answer them. And in fact, a lot of their answers are being used to build a case against them, especially if they do have something. Absolutely. On their, so on so what person, like right, the Albert? scale that we're trying to demonstrate for everyone out there is there's really three, uh, three, three sides of the scale. There's consensual encounters, which is what Joel's telling you is like that is the situation where you're not under arrest. You're not detained. It's a. <laughs> It's a situation where an officer is just having an interaction, like a public, like on the street, like you're at Publix talking to someone. Perfect, perfect, perfect example. They come up to your car and they say, hey, can we search your vehicle? <laughs> if you say yes, <laughs> they don't need probable cause no, you anymore. Can, you do consented. They, do they need you consented. consented. You know, uh, so that's the stuff we want you to know. We want you to be confident in your constitutional rights. And then a lot of that nervousness will leave. You don't have to be scared of these officers. They are, you know, that was not the the purpose, you know, of police. Now, it's if not they to, have reasonable suspicion, which means let's say you get pulled over for a traffic infraction, you're detained at that moment in time. You're not free to leave. That's what we're talking about with Terry stops. And if you're detained, yeah, you you don't have to answer the the law enforcement officer's questions, but you it depending depending the type of question, you might want to just answer it and you might want to help alleviate the situation. Like if it's a basic traffic stop, you just okay, officer, you're right. I uh, ran a stop sign. Like uh, I'm sorry. Now, something to to just interject here. Do you think that cameras have really changed some of these rules as far as what could be left up in court to the officer's opinion? Because we've seen multiple times that people flip their their camera around and start recording the officer doing it. Do you think stuff like that actually helps your job to be able to show that some of those things weren't in play? Or do you think it 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 sometimes works in the reverse. And See, Angela, I think me and Joel probably, for me being a prosecutor, him being defense attorney for so long, we would probably attack this from different angles. So, Joel, why don't you go at it first from a defense attorney's side of you? You, you know, I, I think um, the cameras from, uh, you know, the body cam footage and the uh, um, dash cams, the, you know, prevalence yeah. of cell phones. Yeah, the, the cell phones, I think it's helped for a defense side. You know, I think it it's so compelling on, a, you know, on a stand or, you know, in a trial as evidence. It's just so concrete and it can show, you know, it can't really show the whole you can't really show the whole situation. You know, you can't show on a video if the area was a bad area, you know, the the call, you know, match the description. So some of it, but it, it does paint a huge picture in that picture you know, we can show to a jury. And of course, we're going to attack it regardless, you know, as defense, we're always going to say that Terry stop was unreasonable. <laughs> and so, you know, we'll, pick out, you know, we'll pick out, you know, that's just, we're here to fight for your rights. So we'll pick out, you know, uh, video evidence. Yeah, and, uh, and that's a show. great point. Joel. One thing I've learned, um, 
through my time with being a prosecutor is is this this evidence is never never perfect a defense attorney a very good defense attorney will always find a part of the video or audio to attack let's just take for example duis are the best examples to give because the best evidence of a dui is what's on the video the field sobriety exercises the interaction okay. with the alleged defendant in this case so let's just take a dui um I like to say, um, like the example I gave earlier, swerving in a lane, that's a big example I like to give because it shows a driving pattern. And one thing jurors like to do to convict someone is show me that you can't drive in a lane straight. Show me that you're swerving all over the road. And officers know how important this is and pertinent to a, to a beginning of a case, especially when we're dealing with something like today, reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. Lots of good defense attorneys out there will always attack the stop of a DUI case, this reasonable suspicion for the stop, because if you can't establish a reason to the stop, you don't even you don't even get a chance to de- to decide whether he's impaired or not or whether he blows a two a right. point two or it doesn't matter. None of that matters. If you as an officer don't do your job right from the beginning, you're going to be held accountable and you're going to lose the whole case. So that's why it's very important. Like a lot of officers won't turn their camera on immediately when they're observing someone. They'll turn the camera right when they're about to pull someone over. And and one thing I want to just educate our listeners about is anytime you get arrested or you get uh, alleged to have been charged with DUI or something of that, always look at the video. Always watch the video with your attorney immediately and, and you'll be able to see right away that video is the best evidence of the case. You'll be able to see how you're able to stand if you're stumbling, your driving pattern. Um, you'll be able to see if everything that that officer put in his report is accurate and true. And lots of times these officers will say, I saw the defendant swerve in his lane three or four times. Although when you go to the video, he's driving perfectly and you might see him touch a, a white line once. And these are the types of things when you see that your, your attorney should already be on it. Motion to suppress the stop there's no basis or reasonable suspicion for a traffic infraction and in that situation the judge will look to the credibility of the officer and whether he's just um guessing or has a hunch that this person might be impaired and as we know from what we stated earlier right joel like that's not that's not good enough anymore like you can't guess and a good defense attorney will tear you up and the and the judge will grant the motion you're gonna have to drop the case um but these video like Joel, what do you what do you think as a defense attorney? How many different ways could you attack a video, uh, especially a DUI video and could, how you could attack a D, uh, an officer's investigation from the video? I mean, that's I mean, there's there's it, it depends, Albert. That's just it's so open ended. You know, it depends if it's a, an egregious one. You know, we've had the, yeah. the videos oh, where it comes back. And falling you over drunk, it. of course. You know, they, where they were, where they were, <laughs> you know, where they were spot on. So, but Angelo, you know, one thing that's really interesting, too, is that on these videos, like Mother Nature does play a part. Like there would be videos out there where it'd be raining and then the condensation from uh, the 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 dash cam video from inside the cop car you can't see anything everything's so fogged up and if you think that doesn't in affect an investigation from a prosecutor's side of you it could affect the whole case like if you can't see anything on video and you have an, an officer's report and one thing everyone needs to know out there officers reports that stuff can never come into trial yeah sure they can testify to whatever they wrote down in their report but members of the jury can never, ever see what an officer wrote in his report that can never get entered into the evidence. So he can really just 
testify on memory or if they refresh his recollection with his report. So you can always attack his credibility and that makes an officer look bad if the video is not bad. It looks like he did not a thorough investigation, like he didn't care enough about this. Yeah, I'm wondering if you both can kind of delve into probable cause a bit and explain to our listeners what the standard of probable cause is. Defense attorney, after you, it's Friday. You go first. It's sufficient reason based upon, you know, known, observed facts to believe a crime has uh, been committed or that certain property is connected with a crime. That'd be the best, you know, just, um, you know, my best uh, way to say it. Um, but it's, it's rooted, the requirement of probable cause, like I said, it's rooted in the Fourth Amendment. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the right of yep. people to be secure in their persons, um, their papers, their effects. Um, against unreasonable search and seizures. And this, what is, you know, what is reasonable and what's not uh, reasonable has been determined, Angelo, by the Supreme Court in these cases that have gone in front of them. So it's basically what they've said. You know, they've said, you know, this does, you know, step over the line. So, Angelo, here's an example for you. Let's use our officer Osborne, since he's been such a great officer today. Let's just say... Let's say he's following a car. He's about to get off shift. The car's going 55 miles an hour in a 45. Let's just say there's three like high school kids in there. He he approaches the driver's side window. As soon as he gets close to the, the window, he smells burnt cannabis from coming from his cop car. So he approaches the window. Um, he asks license, registration, insurance. He's looking inside the window, just looking, observing the passengers. He see, sees a bong in the back seat, uh, the backseat passenger seat. Right then and there, Joel, right then and there, do you believe you have sufficient fact that a crime's occurred? Well, that would be plain sight probable. If a, a bong is in plain sight, that would be plain sight probable cause. Um, As know, an officer, what can, else? Can you, uh, okay, perfect. Um, That's what I was getting to. We can to. arrest. Um, we can do search. We can arrest. We can do a search incident to arrest. And uh, that also means we can get inside your car um, and search your car, you know, in any place that where you would have, uh, you know, uh, where you have been able to of uh what if i say no you're not allowed you're not you can't search my car right now i'm not letting you with the with the plain sight probable with the arrest so with the probable cause we we already have it's in plain sight so we have probable cause we do an arrest then with the search incident to arrest we don't we don't really care if you're in car in the car we can search any area where you may reasonably reach um we can also pull you out and then mm-hmm. as it we don't it's past the reasonable suspicion remember you know, we're in probable cause. We can do a search institute okay. arrest, so we can search your whole body before we put you in the car. Okay, let me throw this out. I, w- I want to interject, gentlemen. So let's say on that same scenario, you pull me over and you see what you believe is a bong in the backseat of my car. You ask me to search it. I say no. He says he has probable cause, like Officer Osborne said. However, when you go in the car, you find out it's not a bong. <laughs> it's actually one of my kids weird toys that we had in there and it looked like a bong but you were wrong but you still find something else in the car does that get thrown out or what happens in that case if you thought you had probable cause the officer thought he did but he was incorrect in what he saw well then it's going to be up to who's it going to be up to it's going to be up to a a judge to determine yeah but it shouldn't though, right, Joel? Because there's a Supreme Court case out there that's going to be in, in Officer Osborne's favor. Angelo, there's a case out there, Hine versus North Carolina. 
The reason why I know this is because I've had to argue this as a prosecutor multiple times when your officers make so many mistakes. And this happens. <laughs> this is like you're a Hail Mary in a football game. Like you're down six. You need Tom Brady to throw a 60 year bomb. And this is what you have to do. This case, it stands for it's a U.S. Supreme Court case. And when when I talk about U.S. Supreme Court, that's the dandy. Like if you can find a U.S. Supreme Court case on points, the judge has to follow the law because that's the law of our lands. And this case pretty much says that a police officer can have reasonable suspicion to make a traffic stop even when he has made a mistake of law, as long as that mistake is reasonable. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. You're right, Joe. But taking this case and arguing it, if the officer's mistake was reasonable, reasonable, if he thought it was a bong and it looked like a bong, if it looked like the bowl portion of the bong had green leafy substance on it, then he's going to be able to argue it, the judge. Yes. And it's going to be up to a judge if it's reasonable. So to answer your question, they'll, they'll have a pick, you know, they'll have this evidence and, a, you know, the, the, the judge yeah. will determine is if, if the cop made a reasonable inference that it was, uh, and if it was, then yeah, everything that was found that sure. will be considered, you know, uh, that not fruit of the poison. Yeah, that's an, and the only reason why I asked that is my kids have brought home some horrendous art projects that <laughs> that yes. do not that look like look they, they exactly. look like it looks like a crime. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're okay. I think you're okay All with right, that. Good. But uh, yeah, uh, Albert makes a great point, and uh, um, you know, it's it's up to a judge. It's, it will be up to a judge to determine if it was reasonable, if the cops, um, if the cops' observation and what he thought was reasonable. It all goes back again to the to the Fourth Amendment. We have the right against what unreasonable. There's one more thing I want to get into and ask you about. Does probable cause mean that you're guilty of a crime? Does that mean if if an officer has probable cause to arrest you, does that mean that you are guilty automatically and you should be convicted in court? No, this is just um, probable cause to to arrest, to seize, to detain but still to be guilty of any crime, the state always has to prove um, beyond a reasonable doubt that uh, that that a crime has occurred. So this probable cause, um, you know, it's more of, you know, does the information survive? Yeah. You know, does the charge absolutely. Survive and to then it's on the, the state trial? beyond and to the exclusion of all reasonable doubt. And with that, I want to turn it back over to you, Angela. And that's all the time we have for today, gentlemen. I want to thank you both for this long discussion on probable cause. And I appreciate both of you discussing both sides of it. We had a very good episode. We appreciate it. Please make sure you tune in for our next episode. That's all. Thank you for listening to the Know Your Rights podcast. Gentlemen, say goodbye and thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Know Your Rights podcast with Orlando attorneys Albert Bazzotti and Joel Osborne. For more information, feel free to reach out to them on the web at beoslaw.com, B-E-O-S-L-A-W.com, or call them at 407-421-1535.